And we're recording. Success. All right. Looks good. So, we have been talking about love for like, I don't know, it feels like a long time. How long has it been? Anybody know? Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we've been doing this, this thing on love and... Uh, yeah, and last week, right, James was here with us from Mississauga, and he was also talking about, you know, what is the love of God, and how, like, what does that look like in your own context? Um, how do we, yeah, how do we love with the love of God, right? That was, how do we express that? Uh, and that was some of the stuff that he was talking about. And so I'm going to get back to... Um, yeah, more of, more of what I've basically been saying for like six weeks. And so we're, we're going to start off with um, these two passages again that I, that I promised you uh, we would read until you hate them uh, or start to see them in your alphabets in the morning or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I just want, I really, I still really believe that this is something God just wants us to to really pay attention to, because um, I think we've spent a lot of time, uh, many of us anyways, have spent a lot of time ignoring these. So we're going to just give them some of their, uh, the attention that they're due. Someone want to read? You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rains on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you, uh, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And uh, we'll get someone else to read this one. Thanks, Sophie. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Cool. Thanks, guys. So I'm not specifically preaching on these passages today, um, but again, I want them. I want you to keep these things in your mind as we continue talking about love um, and what it means to love, what Jesus has to say about love, because these are some of the things that He has to say about love, and when He commands us to love our neighbor. It includes this. It includes this stuff about judgment. It includes our enemies fall into the category of neighbor as well. So this is what Jesus wants us to do. And again, this whole thing about judgment, we need to point the finger at ourselves so that we can see clearly. Right? That's, that's crucial. That's going to be a key thing. If we're going to try to navigate life, if we're going to try to follow God, if we're going to try to make sense of the world, if we're going to try to interact with other people, we have to point the finger at ourselves and say, okay, what is the junk that I've got in my life? 
And that's actually going to help us see clearly as we look at all this other stuff. So anyways, that's, just hold on to that. Um, but a couple weeks ago, I was really focusing on uh, the love your neighbor as yourself. That was kind of the, our focal point there. And something that came up in our discussion time um, made me realize that I, I may have taken some things for granted, um, which, is, which is that I didn't do, perhaps I didn't do justice to the first part of that verse, right, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind in that, uh, in that passage. So in my mind, these two things are really intertwined, um, and the, the Bible, I think, makes that pretty clear, but I didn't really give that any uh, attention or didn't give that a whole lot of attention last time. So I want to go back to that, and I want to hopefully, um, yeah, demonstrate to you a little bit as well um, how those things are, are so intertwined. Um, yeah, so we're going to focus on this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So the, um, the verse here that we're looking at is Matthew uh, 22, uh, verses... 30, I guess actually probably 36 is best, 36 to 40, right? Teacher, uh, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. And now, of course, uh, a couple weeks ago, what we looked at, what's really interesting is that in Matthew 7, uh, when Jesus cites the golden rule, which is kind of just a rewording of love your neighbor as yourself, do to others as you would have them do to you, he also says, this is the law and the prophets. So, right here in this passage, Matthew 22, we have these two commandments, sum up the law and the prophets, and in Matthew 7, we have this one thing, sums up the law and the prophets. So, I think um, that's not accidental. That the reason Jesus can say that these two commandments sum up the law and the prophets, but also just that this one sums up the law and the prophets, is because these two things are actually really, really intertwined. So when he asks, what's the greatest law? When this guy asks, what's the greatest, uh, what's the first commandment, right? The first and foremost commandment. Jesus insists on giving him two. He asks for one, and Jesus gives him Two. That's important. And, you know, again, elsewhere, says that the second, the second commandment is what sums up the law and the prophets. So, what's going on with this? It's a little more complicated. It's a little more of a complicated picture. It's not as simple as this is the first commandment and this is the second commandment. This is the most important one. And this is the second most important. They're actually a pair and they're meant to work together. So, um, let's see here. Let's go to, let's go to Deuteronomy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is good. We're going to Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 9. This is actually where Jesus is quoting from for the first commandment. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on your doorposts, on the doorposts of your, uh, of your house and your gates. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, and you shall meditate on this stuff. You shall have it everywhere. You shall always focus on this thing. That's what's going on in Deuteronomy. Really big, like, it's a big deal. Love the Lord your God. It's a big deal. So, this is interesting. We're going we're gonna to get a little bit Bible study-ish for a second here. But, Jesus quotes that thing from Deuteronomy. And he quotes that in Matthew 22. When a Pharisee asks him what the greatest commandment is. Right? So, um, Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, right? Which is the greatest commandment of the law. So that's, that's the context. And Jesus quotes this thing in Deuteronomy, where it talks about having this love the Lord your God thing, like making everything about love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God, love the Lord your God. Have it on your arm, have it on your head. Love the Lord your God. Then, right after this conversation that Jesus has here, right, we get Matthew 23. And he kind of goes off on the Pharisees in Matthew 23, immediately following this conversation. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. And these phylacteries and tassels, these are actually like signs of religious piety. And the, the phylacteries that's actually referencing back to Deuteronomy, this is about the, the having the law on, on your body. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humble, and whoever humbles himself should be exalted. And man, there's so much more here uh, where he just goes on to woe to the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. Woe to these guys, hypocrites. What are some of the things here? Um, for you do not, uh, what is it? Yeah, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Um, oh, yeah, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses. And for a pretense, you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. What's another one? Because you travel around on the sea uh, to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. This is really harsh stuff. Um, what's another one here? For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. 
Ah, yeah. He says that they're full of robbery and self-indulgence, but they look good on the outside. I'm not going to read all this, but we could. Jesus is getting upset at the Pharisees for being hypocrites. And also, and part of being the hypocrite here, is essentially failure to love their neighbors. They're, they're doing a lot of the religious stuff, but they're not being good to people. Like that, that's, that's not this whole thing. That's not the entirety of the, of the woes to the Pharisees, but it's a, there's a significant chunk of that, right? They are neglecting the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And again, this is it's coming right after Jesus says these two great commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And it was a Pharisee who asked him, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? Pharisee knows the answer, guys. This isn't a real question. He knows the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? He knows that. But he asks anyways to test Jesus, and Jesus does him one better. He says these two things. Here, this is the first, and then the second is like it. And then he goes off on a tirade, criticizing the Pharisees for being bad at loving their neighbors. But he highlights that they have the law on their, on their foreheads and on their arms. The, the Pharisees, at least on some level, are actually really focused on loving God with their heart, soul, and mind. Or with their, their heart, soul, and might, depending on where we're reading it from. To quote Deuteronomy as the answer, is to actually point out this thing about having the law on your, on your heads and on your, and on your arms. They know that. Again, the Pharisees know this. They know the answer, and that's what they're doing. But Jesus still adds in the second part. Because he's trying to say, you're focused on loving God, but you're not loving your neighbor. Then you're not focused on loving God you're actually just doing a really bad job. So, for Jesus, you can't love God and not love your neighbor. Loving your neighbor is part of how you love God. Um, there's a... Let, let's, let's actually take another, a quick look at a passage in Isaiah, too, here. Um, you guys have heard this one. Actually, sorry, let me, let me slow down. I'm getting ahead of myself. There's a verse, which I didn't write down, unfortunately. Um, oh, no, I did. Haha, wonderful. Matthew, we're Matthew 15 first. Jesus is going to quote Isaiah. Matthew 15, here we go. Right? So again, it's the Pharisees, right? Some of the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have that could, uh, would be helped to you is given to God. He uh, is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
but in vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines the precepts of men. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what enters the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man. The disciples came to him and said, Do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? But he answered and said, Every plant which my father, uh, with, which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. Jesus said, Are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. I know that's a lot of scripture, but guys, it's really good stuff. I read large chunks because you gotta, you got to see it together. The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And what does it end up, what does the whole conversation drive to? What comes out of the mouth? And what comes out of the mouth? Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. Failure to love neighbor. People honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me because they fail to love neighbor. That's what's in their heart. But they can say the right words on the outside. Let's look at that passage in Isaiah. And, uh, it's Isaiah 29, 13. Starting in 13. Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. And their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the discernment of their discerning men will be concealed. And then actually, I'm going I'm to jump ahead a bit because I'm reading a lot. Verse 18. On that day the deaf will hear words of a book. And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. The afflicted also will increase their gladness in the Lord, and the needy of mankind will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless will come to an end, and the scorner will be finished. Indeed, all who are intent on doing evil will be cut off. Who cause a person to be indicted by a word, and ensnare him who adjudicates at the gate, and defraud the one in the right with meaningless arguments. Therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face now turn pale, but when he sees children, uh, when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. Indeed, they will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who err in mind will know the truth and those who criticize will accept instruction. I've said this before, but this is another example in the Old Testament prophets where it intertwines this knowing truth, this pursuing God, knowing God rightly, knowing God truly, and just doing good for people and to people, treating them justly and rightly. Right? Again, it's their lips are far from me and then we go down 
And it's in the day when God changes all this, the afflicted will increase with gladness. The ruthless will come to an end. Right? The scorner will be finished, and all who are intent on doing evil. And evil, like typically, not always, but typically when this evil in the Old Testament, it's more of like a, it's like a practical action to somebody. You do evil to someone. Um, again, not always. It can be more broad than that. But in this context, I think that's kind of what it's going at. And so, again, let's think about the Pharisees. Right? They praise with their lips. They, they're following all the instructions. They've got the law on their heads, um, which is right attached to this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The thing is, they are in some sense focused on loving God. And everybody knows, everyone in this context knows how you love God. You love God by obeying his commands. Everybody knows that. It's just, it's just common sense. And so, Jesus is criticizing the Pharisees for loving God by obeying, well, these kind of traditions and rituals and, and whatnot, but failing to love their neighbor, which is also a command of God, right? Love the Lord your God. That's the most important commandment. But how do you love, how do you love God? Well, you obey him. What do you obey? This thing. You love your neighbor. That's the, that's the next one. The, re, the reason it's so significant that when he asks for one command and Jesus gives him two is because the second is the means to the first. Because everyone knows that obedience to God is how you love God. So that's why it matters what the second most important commandment is. It's intertwined with the first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. How do you do it? You love your neighbor as yourself. Because that is what sums up the law and the prophets. So again, going back to where we started, that's how Jesus can say these two commands sum up the law and the prophets, and this one command sums up the law and the prophets. Because command number two is the means of command number one. Obedience is how you love God. And loving your neighbor is how you obey. Let's do one more thing here just because I love Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19 is where uh, Jesus is quoting, love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to start in verse 9. 9 to 18 is actually a chunk of practical love your neighbor verses. Leviticus 19, 9 to 18. I'm just going to read this and just, just kind of pay attention and see what you notice. Now, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am Yahweh your God. You shall not steal nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. You shall not swear falsely by my name, so as to profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. You shall not oppress your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse a deaf man, nor place a stumbling block before the blind. 
but you shall revere your God. I am Yahweh. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great. But you are to judge your neighbor fairly. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. And you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am Yahweh. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. Two things strike me as immediately interesting about this. One is that a number of the things that this highlights are the things that Jesus highlighted when he said, what comes out of the mouth? The things that defile a man, what comes out of the mouth? It's some of this stuff right here. It's breaking these commandments, which, are, which gets summed up in verse 18, love your neighbor as yourself. The other thing that strikes me as interesting, and this, this happens in different places in, in the Old Testament, uh, in Leviticus specifically, but I was just looking at the, the uh, area that this is written in, and this specific chunk does it a lot, which is the Lord says his name after giving a command. He does this a lot right here. So it's a command. Love your neighbor. Do this good thing for your neighbor. Treat people well. I am Yahweh. Treat people well in this way too, because I am Yahweh. He doesn't say because, but it kind of feels that way. Why do we love our neighbor? I am Yahweh, says the Lord. It's because of who God is. It's because it's what God said to do. It's because this is how you honor and love God. With obedience. With obedience to this. Somehow, it's connected to the very being of who God is that he wants us to love our neighbor. And if you're not doing it, if you're not loving your neighbor, then you're not loving God. What's, I mean, look at this, again, verse 14 in there, uh, 1914. You shall not curse a deaf man, nor place a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall revere your God. That's a pretty interesting contrast. Not one we would typically make, right? Don't pick on a disabled person, revere God instead. That's the contrast. Being a total jerk is the contrast to revering God. He's the judge. He's the judge. He's the judge you for everything you have and will have ever done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so fear him <laughs> when you think about what you do. I am, I am Yahweh, says the Lord, right? That's, you know. So, again, Jesus tells us to love God. He knows that's the first first commandment. But so does everybody. That's not news to anyone. But how you do it, that's what's a little more interesting. Because people are already trying to do it. And they've got their ways. We, we looked at some other passages too before, right? Um, Jesus says, he, right, a couple weeks ago I was talking about this, uh, when the Pharisees are like, why are you hanging out with all those terrible people? And Jesus is like, go study. Go learn what this means. 
I desire uh, compassion, not a sacrifice, right? So we looked at that in Hosea, and it's it's this weird thing where he actually, he's telling them, and again, it's, it's the same thing in, in Isaiah where we just read a minute ago too. People are doing the thing that they're doing because that's how you love God. Sacrifices, that's how you love God. These traditions, that's how you love God. They learned this stuff from the scriptures. They're just trying to obey. This is how, this is how we love God. And Jesus doesn't condemn the Pharisees for doing all that stuff that they were doing. He condemns them for neglecting the greater provisions of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He says you should have done that as well. Not instead of, right? It's not a bad thing to do all this other stuff. But he's saying you guys have missed the point. What are the commands that you really got to obey? So, this is important for us because we're religious people. We're not the Pharisees. We don't have the same traditions. We don't have all the same rules as they had. But we do have a few ideas in our head about what it looks like to love God. And often those ideas are not loving our neighbor. (laughs) Um, And again, they're not bad things, right? We can spend time alone in prayer. We can read our Bibles, right? We can, we can sing uh, songs of praise. We can, we can seek, ask God for like a greater intimacy. Those are good things. But if that's what we do, and if that's what we're just focused on doing, because we want to love God first and foremost, God is, is sitting there saying, okay, so start loving your neighbor. Like it's great that you're doing Bible study, but it's worthless, if that's all you're doing. It's great that you're crying out for intimacy. You want to know me more. Okay, cool. But you don't actually love me. If you're not loving your neighbor. So, again, these two things, these two commands, they're intertwined. And we, sometimes we separate them out because we find that easy to work with. Right? We like systems. Uh, we, we like... We like little logical processes. Like, oh, okay, first this and second this. Okay, well, I'll do this first then, and then once I figured that out, I'll do this. Well, Jesus mixed it all up. He churned it up together. The Bible mixes it all up and churns it up together all over the place. I'm giving you a few passages. We could have spent all morning in the Gospel of John, but I'm not even going to get there. And it's more of the same. Jesus mixes it all up together. So I don't want to separate them. You love God by loving your neighbor. And you love your neighbor by loving God. They're both means of doing the other. Because you can't love your neighbor if you're not loving God. You don't don't have the capacity to do that. You don't have the power for that. But if you say you love God and you're not loving your neighbor, well, you're just lying. And God is like, oh, you love me? Cool. So do this. Do this thing. Like, love people. He's just really, 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 really clear about that. So, I'm a both-and kind of guy. You guys know that a bit about me already. I don't, I don't like to this or that. Or a perfect little order. Just, just do both. Just do both. Because that's what Jesus says. Yeah. And I'm, man, I know you guys are like, Josh, okay, you can just stop talking now. But, like, seriously, 
I would love to just sit down and just read all of these just chunks of scripture with you because it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling how clear the Bible is about this and how unclear it often is for us. Where we think that, well, I have to love God first. I have to figure out loving God and then I'll be able to love my neighbor. If only I loved God more, then I'd, I'd be better at loving my neighbor. That's actually not what the Bible says. The Bible never, to my knowledge, I don't have the whole thing memorized, admittedly, but the Bible never contrasts, you know, um, ritual, religious life and intimacy with God. It actually contrasts ritual, religious life with loving neighbor. It doesn't contrast... um, well, it doesn't, it doesn't condemn people for doing good deeds, for loving people, and not loving God well enough. It condemns for saying that we love God and then not being good to people. Yes, Leanne? What about, like, Jesus says, you've done all these works in my name, but mm-hmm. I don't know you. Yes. You are not invited to... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to, would should we go there? Yeah. Yeah, I've got, I think I've got that here. Let's see. Um, or like Matthew people 25, who, I think. Sorry. People who love others mm-hmm. but blatantly do not love God. Yeah. And then I guess the question is. Is there true love coming out of them? Because if they have rejected Jesus and what he has done and said, I am I I hate you, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm a kind person and I love the people around me. It's a good question. That's because you can become like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think I think that, that that could happen. And I mean to to blaspheme. It's right. still really serious. Right. Um, I think, I, yeah. That might be another question. That's, it, that, that's a, it's, 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 a, it's a good question, and, it's re- and it is related. The thing about that is that that's not our problem. No. <laughs> like, I mean, as, 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 as God's people, in, in, our, in our context here, I mean, in this church, and even, I, I think, in... In, um, in most of the churches we probably interact with, that's not something that we suffer from. <laughs> right. Um, we, and, and it's not what most of the people who Jesus is talking to suffer from. Yeah. Yeah. Just, to, just to doing things. Yeah, just to doing things. Uh, and, I, and I have been in churches where they love, uh, they're focused on being good to people, and they actually have no sense of who God is. Right. That's, that's where I Which is why it's both. Right. I'm not telling you either or. Right. Okay, I'm telling you that what Jesus says is this is how. Love God and this is how. And all of the love your neighbor stuff in Leviticus is punctuated with I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh. So it, it is connected. It's supposed to be together. Do, uh, we could talk about ju- the judgment verses 
if you want, because those are actually about loving your neighbor, not about not about personal intimacy with God. Um, they're they're actually explicit about that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, do you know which one you're referring to? Because I I've, I've got a couple here. Yep, yep, so um, there are... There, Acts of Miracles. Yes, there, there are two that, that, I, that I can think of off the top of my head, and one of them I have here, which is Matthew 25. Um, but when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another. Actually, sorry. No, no, this is not the one with the miracles. Do you want the one with the miracles? Because I can pull up that one, too. I am thinking of probably both. Okay, okay, yeah. So he'll separate them, uh, the sheep and the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Now, then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Huh, little strong. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, or in prison? And did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So in this context, what did we do for each other? And actually, the, the funny thing is that nobody recognized him. So if we, again, in the personal intimacy framework, we would think, well, we would recognize him. Right? But nobody recognized him. But some of these people are the righteous and some are the accursed. And it's based on how well they love their neighbor. The, there's the other passage, I think, is actually Matthew 7, because I think we read it, I think we read it um, earlier. Okay, but actually, quick side note on Matthew 25. Um, who here is familiar with the parable of the ten virgins? Right. A lot of people um, in the charismatic church have heard the parable of the ten virgins taught as meaning it's about personal intimacy with God. That it's all a symbolic of personal intimacy with God. I'm no expert on the parable of the ten virgins, so I can either attest to that or um, 
disagree with it very well. But I can tell you something really interesting, which is that the parable of the ten virgins, which is often used to say, if we don't have personal intimacy with God, we're not going to make it. Everything's about personal intimacy with God. It's in Matthew 25. And then a little bit later, Jesus defines the ones who know him as the ones who are loving their neighbor. So, the, the, the judgment thing I just read is in Matthew 25, the same chapter as the parable of the ten virgins. So when Jesus gets explicit and clear, it's about loving your neighbor. So, I don't know if the parable of the ten virgins is about personal intimacy with God, but I do know that he gets really clear at the end of the chapter. And it's about loving neighbor. So just chew on that, you know, uh, and, and do what you will. Matthew 7, uh, which I think is what you were referring to, Leanne, is... Yep, here we are. Um, tw- verse 21. Yep. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, plainly, I never knew you away from me, evil doers. Yes. Another uh, translation. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And earlier in that same chapter, verse 12. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the law. And then, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Right? Um, and he's actually saying, it's all these people who are doing miracles and stuff. They're not, they're not coming in because they aren't doing the will of my Father. And all throughout this chapter, the will of the Father, it's focused on that, on that one point. There's, there's all, like, he's, he says, um, because this is also the judging others verse uh, at the beginning of the chapter. Um, but the focal point of the chapter is in everything. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the whole summary. And then he talks about fruit. Or he talks about the, the wide and the narrow gate. Then he talks about bearing good fruit. And you'll know a tree by their fruit. And then how... The people who don't do the will of the Father, they're not going to get in. He says, depart from me, those who practice lawlessness. But the ones he knows, right, are the ones who have been treating people the same way they want to be treated. In this, in this chapter, it's actually, it's actually not really encoded. It's pretty, it's pretty explicit. <laughs> um, yeah. So, 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 so it's interesting, the, the idea of, I never knew you, um, we can sometimes get caught on that phrase and we think about, oh, well, we need to know God. We need to really know God. We have to, and, and not that that's a bad thing, but God defines it. And it's, and it's actually on how we're loving our neighbors. And that's not, I'm not making anything up here, guys. You can just read it. It's really, it's really, really clear. And again, we could, have, we could have spent the whole morning in the Gospel of John, and it would have been, ju- again, just even more so. If you love me, obey my commands. A new command I give to you, love one another. And then that for like three chapters. <laughs> but maybe we'll do the Gospel of John next week. So, 
Um, we've already shifted into discussion a little bit. Does anybody want? Uh, does anyone have any further questions and/or uh, 